For a large selection of books on a variety of apologetics themes, be sure to visit the Utah Christian Research Center, located at 579 West Galena Park Place in the city of Draper. The Utah Christian Research Center is open Wednesday through Saturday at 10 a.m. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. So glad you could be with us for this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We continue to go through many of the books that were given away as Christmas gifts between the years 1981 and 2012 by the First Presidency to various general authorities in the church, as well as to many employees of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The reason we're going through these books is because we figure if the First Presidency trusts these books enough to give them away as a gift, then what is inside those books probably should be believed by Latter-day Saints, or at least was believed by the First Presidency that gave them away in the first place. Today, we are going to look at the subject of Joseph Smith and what some of these books had to say about the founding prophet of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The first book is Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith and the founder, Joseph Smith. Page 304, he said, I am like a huge rough stone rolling down from a high mountain, and the only polishing I get is when some corner gets rubbed off by coming in contact with something else, striking with accelerated force against religious bigotry, priestcraft, lawyercraft, doctorcraft, line editors, suborned judges and jurors, and the authority of perjured executives backed by mobs, blasphemers, licentious and corrupt men and women, all hell knocking off a corner here and a corner there. Thus, I will become a smooth and polished shaft in the quiver of the Almighty, who will give me dominion over all and every one of them when their refuge of lies shall fail and their hiding place shall be destroyed while these smooth, polished stones with which I come in contact become marred. Now, that's quite an eloquent way of saying it, I would think. But let me ask you this, Eric. Do false prophets ever admit that they're the ones that aren't telling the truth, that maybe they, in fact, are false prophets? Of course not. So obviously you have to make your critics look like they are prevaricators. I might mention here, he uses the phrase rough stone rolling. That is the title of a book written by Mormon historian Richard L. Bushman. And I've often encouraged people, if they want to give a book to a Latter-day Saint who is struggling with their faith, but not quite to the point of reading a book about the LDS Church instead of by someone who is a member of the church, I would highly recommend Richard L. Bushman's book, Rough Stone Rolling. I think he's probably much more candid in the history of early Mormonism than some Mormon historians, and I found it to be a very interesting read myself. In that same book, Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 363, Joseph Smith said, God made Aaron to be the mouthpiece for the children of Israel, and he will make me be God to you in his stead, and the elders to be mouth for me, and if you don't like it, you must lump it. 
I've always found that statement to be quite interesting. And if you don't like it, you must lump it. And I've used this expression before. It's just difficult for me to imagine someone like the prophet Isaiah or prophet Ezekiel getting up there. If you don't like it, you must lump it. But those, those were the words of Joseph Smith. And that was in a book, Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, which was given as a Christmas gift by the First Presidency in 1991. And in that same book, Bill, we could give additional quotes. We're not going to give them all here. But would you say that Joseph Smith had humility or did he have a lot of pride? Oh, I would say most definitely that Joseph Smith was a prideful man. I've heard some apologists for Joseph Smith try to give the impression that he was a very humble man, but hardly, hardly when you look at some of the statements that he made during his lifetime. In Joseph Fielding Smith's book, Selections of Doctrines of Salvation, on page 379, he talks about Joseph Smith and the First Vision, which in 2020, the Mormon Church was celebrating the bicentennial of that event. And this is what Joseph Fielding Smith, the 10th president of the church, said. Joseph Smith became an apostle in 1820. Now remember, he's 14 years of age. In the spring of 1820, After the vision was given to Joseph Smith of the Father and the Son, he stood as the only witness among men who could testify with knowledge that God lives and Jesus Christ is verily his Son. In this knowledge, he became a special witness for Christ and thus an apostle before the priesthood had been restored. But yet, we find that the details in the first vision don't coincide with the date of 1820. And he is saying in the spring of 1820. And I would argue that that is not a correct date. If you're going to believe the details in Joseph Smith's history, he mentions very specifically a religious excitement that was taking place at the time of this vision. But yet that religious excitement that he describes did not happen in 1820. It happened in 1824. But we have an article on our website that if people want to go and read, especially if you're a Latter-day Saint and you want to know more about the First Vision, we have a number of good articles, but this one I'm referring to is written specifically for Latter-day Saints. It's called Eight Questions a Latter-day Saint Needs to Answer About the First Vision. You can go there by clicking onto mrm.org slash First Vision Questions, with hyphens between First Vision Questions. Let me just give you a couple of the questions. Why is there no historical evidence, whether oral tradition or written sources, that Joseph Smith was ever persecuted for his testimony of the first vision, despite the claim that he was in Joseph Smith history, chapter 1, verses 21 and following? There's no early sources to help us to know that this event really took place. And that's an excellent point, because we don't find any references to the first vision in the early years of the Mormon movement. We don't hear anything about it till much later on. You would think if this was such an incredible event as Mormons portray it today, that there would have been something being said about that in the early years. But no, all we have is silence. Another question that is raised in the article, how do you account for the fact that the local revivals of the Christian churches actually took place in 1824, not 1820? Wouldn't this mean that the appearance of the angel Moroni to Joseph Smith that supposedly took place in 1823 should be considered the authentic first vision? With these questions, there are links to articles you can go find out more, but those are eight questions, and and so since we're on that topic, in fact, this citation from Harold B. Lee that was cited in the book, The Teachings of Harold B. Lee, page 373, a Christmas book. 
He said, I believe with all my soul that Satan in very person was there at the hill Cumorah when Joseph went to get the plates. He was there when Joseph prayed in the grove. He was there on other occasions trying with all his power to destroy the appointment of God's modern prophet as he had tried to tempt the master. And that was a book that was given as a Christmas gift in the year 2015. This quote comes from uh, the teachings of Howard W. Hunter, page 189. And he said, I am grateful for my members in the church. My testimony of its divinity hinges upon the simple story of the lad under the trees, kneeling and receiving heavenly visitors. If it is not true, Mormonism falls. If it is true, and I bear witness that it is, it is one of the greatest events in all history. And he's not the only one that made a comment like that. So you can see the importance that Latter-day Saints do place on this first vision. If that did not happen, then the whole church becomes suspect. In fact, it was Gordon B. Hinckley who admitted that if that did not happen, they're engaged in blasphemy. I've often been intrigued by the use of the word blasphemy. He doesn't say that we're just wrong. He says we're engaged in blasphemy. Why? Because from what Mormons get from that first vision, they know they are denying the biblical teaching, or at least the historical teaching of Christianity, that God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I think the church pretty much doubled down in April 2020 at the General Conference, because much of the conference was aimed at exploiting the first vision, the bicentennial year. And so I I listened to the Saturday morning conference uh, sessions, for instance, and pretty much all of it had to do with Joseph Smith and the glory brought to God through Joseph Smith because of God the Father and Jesus appearing to Joseph Smith. And yet when you read the account that's found in the Pearl of Great Price, Joseph Smith History, Chapter 1, you see very clearly Without this event, as you mentioned with Gordon Hinckley said, there is no Mormonism. There's no need for a restoration. And if it's true, then you and I, Bill, are in a great apostasy. None of the churches were true, according to God, that uh, all of their teachings were an abomination in his sight. So this is a very serious issue. If there's nothing else that we can take away from that April 2020 General Conference, the strong emphasis on the first vision, well, what was one of the primary messages that comes through this First Vision account. It is that all the churches are wrong, their creeds are an abomination, and their professors are corrupt. If there's anyone out there thinking that somehow Mormonism and Christianity is compatible, then you need to answer this question. What about the main gist of the first vision and what Joseph Smith claims he was told by these two personages, God the Father and Jesus Christ, about the condition of the church. Because if you don't belong to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they're talking about your church. Your church is wrong. The creeds that you may hold to, the Athanasian Creed, the Apostles' Creed, those creeds are an abomination in God's sight. And their professors, the pastors of those churches, are all corrupt, according to the statements given by these alleged two personages in that first vision. And you're exactly right on that, Bill. And as I mentioned before, I really think at the April 2020 conference, they doubled down. 
they came up with a proclamation, and the proclamation was called this, the restoration of the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, a bicentennial proclamation to the world. Now, this is only the sixth proclamation that has ever been issued in the history of the church. I can give you the years. 1841, that was for church members only. 1845, 1865, 1980, that was the 150th anniversary of the church's founding. And then 1995, the proclamation that dealt with the traditional family. They haven't had one of these in 25 years. They come out with this, and what does it do? It talks about the restoration, the first vision, and the importance of Joseph Smith. This is what this church is centered around. And I think if you're a Christian out there who thinks that Mormonism is just another denomination of the historic Christian church, it's not true. They very much are proclaiming in this proclamation that there was a need for the restoration, and you cannot have the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ outside the bounds of the LDS church. Bill, if anyone out there would like to help our radio ministry, we have a special offer they might like to consider for a generous gift of any size. We're going to send you two electronic copies of documents that we have prepared. Number one is Bill's In Their Own Words. It's a compilation of LDS leader citations, close to 400 pages in length. And you're also going to receive a compilation of quotes of these Christmas books that we've used in the first month of this series. All you need to do is go to mrm.org, go to the Donate button on the right side of the homepage, and then put in your amount. In the Add a Note section, put the letters PDF, and then provide your radio station and call letters. If you listen on podcast, put your city and state, and that information will help us immensely. And we will send you electronic copies of these two documents in the next week. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.